across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. Happy Wednesday, Rockstar Nation. Hope everybody's having a great day today. Man, back here in Folly Beach, South Carolina, and the weather is sweet. Happy to be broadcasting. Listen, got a great review here on iTunes from Dave Curlin. Thank you, Dave. Dave says, I've been in the real estate business for many years, and the longer I do this, the more I understand that if I want to succeed more, I need to give more to others. Pat, you did the work. You reaped the rewards, and you could have just taken your money and spent the rest of your years living the good life and never looking back. Instead, you found a way to give back by helping others like me that want to achieve success and make our own dreams a reality. The value I get from your podcast cannot be measured. Thank you, Dave Curlin, Long Beach, California. You're welcome, Dave. Thanks for the five-star review. And guys listening, hey, do me a solid. Give me a five-star review on on iTunes and I will uh, read it on the show. How about that? I will read your iTunes review on the show. I'm going to start reading more of them to interact with you guys more. So please keep, keep that up. Great show today, Mr. Jack Cotton. Always a pleasure to talk to Jack. He uh, definitely is someone to listen to. Extremely interesting. And then on Friday, uh, we've got uh, Courtney Atkinson uh, from Canada. And uh, man, he is interesting and has a lot of meat and potatoes to share. Both of these guys have a lot of good stuff to share. So going to be a good rest of the week so anyways uh, without further ado let's jump on to the call with mr jack cotton thanks guys and have a great week okay rockstar nation i have a great guest and an old friend mr jack Cotton from Cape Cod, Massachusetts is on the show today, and uh, we're going to catch up on all things uh, real estate. How you doing, Jack? I'm doing great, Pat. Great to talk with you today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Jack, in case people don't know who you are, so they can get to know you a little better. Well, I work in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I still work at the same company that I started 42 years ago in my dorm room, and um, in 2005, I sold it to Sotheby's. And now I just do various jobs here, either being an agent or most recently I've been a manager for them, just back to being an agent again this year. So you're getting out of management. What you would you find there in your quest to do something different? Well, you know what? I really prefer being on the front lines of real estate, you know, being with buyers and sellers, especially sellers. But the company had a little problem last year where the manager left unexpectedly and they needed me to run their offices on the Cape. So I agreed to do that. Anyway, it was fun. I do I do some coaching as well. So it was just fun being with agents and doing lots of listening presentations, going out with them, seeing what's going on. But now that I'm back to being an agent in 2016, it's just 
happier, a little bit easier, a little less hectic. And I can just worry about my own issues instead of everyone else's. Yeah. Yeah. So did you find that, you know, with your coaching, are you just coaching the agents there at Sotheby's <clears throat> or all types of agents or what? I just started that. In fact, I'm taking a coaching certification class right now. It ends in May. But no, I've always been coaching agents here at Sotheby's, but I have a few clients from around the country right now that I'm sort of practice coaching with. So to rack up the hours, I need to get my certification next this coming summer. So that's fun because, you know, again, it's been over four decades for me doing this business. And a lot of people want to know how they can move their business from regular real estate to luxury real estate, which became my specialty. And it's just fun, exciting, new and different for me to be able to teach other people how to do that and to fast track their course to luxury real estate. Well, I was hoping maybe today you could you could help teach our audience and coach our audience a little bit about how to move their business to a higher price range, right? Or to, to luxury real estate. Um, what would you say the first step is? Well, there's several steps you have to take. The number one first step is to, you must be perceived as an expert. You know, the higher you go in economic stratas, People want to deal with experts in all areas of their lives, whether it's a tax expert, a legal expert, a medical expert. In fact, they like to brag about their experts whenever they're in a social situation. Oh, I just had shoulder surgery by the same doctor who does, you know, the Yankees pitcher. You know, they all want to deal with the best expert in their particular field. So you have to go on a quest to become an expert in luxury real estate. There's five critical areas of expertise you need to become proficient in. And I can run through those if you want. Yeah, that'd be great. Please do. Yeah. Number one, you've got to become an expert in markets and value, your market and the values in your marketplace. I tell people to go back and do a two-year study of the market you want to break into and um, do it on the wall, do it however works best for you, but get some maps that show every property in the marketplace and understand you know, what the big sales were, when they occurred, what was the demographic buyer? What was the demographic seller? Who are the famous people or people of note who might live there? Who are the famous architects? Just learn everything you can about that market to become an expert in um, that market and values. And then you take that expertise to step number two, which is to become an expert in pricing. You know, you have to apply that broad overall market knowledge to actually being able to suggest a mar- go to market price for luxury listings within your market. And the way I teach people to do that is to create a process because what you're going to hear all the time from luxury sellers is, well, that house is not like mine. My house is way better than that. I have more land. I have more view. I have more of this. I have more of that. Mine's one of a kind. And so you have to develop a process so that you can overcome that hesitation among luxury sellers and show them your process of how you equalize or how you do compare um, comparable sales to arrive at their suggested go-to-market price. The third thing you have to be an expert in is market preparation. And to me, this is one of the most important ones because agents ask me this all the time about staging in the high end. And it's funny, I just came from a house today that was just staged. And it actually, it can, you got to be careful about too much staging because it can actually turn people off. People in the high end are not really into being played or manipulated and they want truth. They want the real thing. So you got to be careful about overstaging. Secondly, I talk to a lot of agents who say, well, my big competitor brings this famous stager with them on a listing presentation, and how do I combat that? Well, the way you combat that is to be seen as a market preparation expert yourself, because 
I don't know of a single stager who's ever walked through the front door of a house with a buyer and noted what made that buyer's eyes light up when they walked through the front door mm, or what made no. the buyer's eyes glaze over when they were somewhere else in the house. You have that unique experience of taking buyers through countless homes, and you can leverage that into your expertise and market preparation. Your job is to make people fall in love with the house, not make the house look fake, contrived, or or play the client. Yeah, that, that that's interesting. I, I had a guest on the show recently who said that, you know, if someone has a stager on their team, that stager should be tied in financially to the success of the property. That right. stager should be the one calling agents for feedback. That stager should be the one talking to sellers about feedback and being involved as the agent would be involved because it makes so much sense that right. it, it falls back on their fault if there's bad feedback. Right. But you see, a lot of the people I talk to when I'm coaching them or advising them are trying to break into luxury real estate and they're competing with that person you had on who has the stager. How do I compete with that person? Do I get to get a better stager, you know, a more powerful stager, a taller stager, a blonder stager, whatever. Yeah. So, so basically my feeling is that how am I going to turn that around to make your lack of a stager an asset for you? Well, it's simple. We make you the expert. Right. We don't want them. We don't want them going to somebody else. You are the expert. You are the expert in market preparation. In fact, I never use the word staging when I'm talking to my sellers because that's my point of difference. My competition brings in a stager, so I have to do something different and better that works and adds more value to the process of getting the house marketed and sold. Yeah, because so you as the agent have to, have to deal with the consequences if you're wrong. So right. it only makes I mean, sense that you're the stager. Yeah, and I mean, I get to sit in the conference room and watch buyers look at big pictures roll by of listings that we're going to go and see. And I know sometimes the perfect house comes up on the screen that I know is right for them, but they don't want to see it because you know, the picture wasn't right. So I know what makes a buyer's mm. eyes light up and what makes a buyer's eyes glaze over. And that allows me to make what I call a market preparation checklist. And as an agent who wants to break into luxury real estate, you need to create a checklist of how you get the home ready for sale based upon your unique experience of watching the reaction of buyers coming into a property. Now, you can enlist the cooperation of other members of your team or other members of your office if you don't have a long tenure in the business to do that. But when you can bring this document into a, into a listing presentation and say, this is mine based upon my unique experience of watching buyers come through homes. I know what they like. I know what they don't like. My goal is to help them fall in love with your house. It's not to make it win some uh, decorating award. So this is based upon that experience. And I really believe in my soul that if you follow all the advice in my market preparation checklist, that you're going to get a two to four points of extra sales price. So what's, so, on, what's on that checklist? Give us some examples here. Well, on my personal checklist, I begin with a story. Um, and I call it, in fact, my checklist is called A Tale of Two Houses. And I basically tell a story, a true story, of two homes that came on the market in my marketplace facing each other across a body of water. Both were about a million dollars. Both had bad roofs. Both had bad windows. Both had no air conditioning. Both needed new kitchens and bathrooms. Both needed everything. I mean, tons of work. But the story is that one of them sold in four weeks and one of them sold in a year and four weeks. The difference was one of the homes looked loved. It looked like the owner really cared about the home, even though he had passed away. And honestly, how can you expect a buyer to fall in love with your house if the seller doesn't love it? Mm. And so my preparation checklist is all about making the home look loved. So it's really about decluttering. It's about cleaning. And what I basically do is my checklist is broken down into what do you see when you drive up and look out the windshield of the car before you even get out of the car? What's the presence like? Are the trees alive? Are the trees, are the branches trimmed? Are the 
was the lawn in good shape. And then when you walk up the walk, is the doorbell cracked? Is the front door, you know, freshly painted or varnished? Or does it need to be cleaned? What do the light fixtures look like outside the door? Are they clean and sparkling? Are they all full of dead bugs and spider webs? I mean, just little things like that. Because here's the whole premise of my market preparation checklist. People judge what they can't see by what they can see. So if they see a crappy, you know, bug-infested light on the side of the front door of a house they're about to see, that's the filter through which they perceive everything in that whole house that they can't see. They think the wiring's that way. They think the plumbing's that way. They think the heating's that way. They think the systems are that way. And so you have to really focus on minor details. So my checklist is not based upon spending tons of money. It's about making the home look like somebody really cared about it. It looks loved. It's it's grown to 35 pages. It started at 10 pages, went to 12. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, anyway. Um, that's, that, that's, that's amazing. It. Yeah, yeah. So you so become the stager and the expert. Yeah. Yeah, so you need to become seen as a market preparation expert. Next, you have to be seen as a negotiation expert. You need to learn about negotiation. And there's a couple ways to do that. You can um, take some classes in negotiation, or you can grab some statistics from MLS and show what your average list of sales price ratio is and things like that. Or the best way for to become a great negotiator is learn how to quantify your USPs. So, for example, a second ago I said, I believe if you follow all the advice in my market preparation checklist, which is the cornerstone of my listing presentation, that you're going to get two to four points of extra sales price. And I go right down the list of five of my major USPs, how I do photography, um, how I show my own listings, how I prepare them for sale, how I cooperate with other agents, and you know, another marketing stuff, and everything, to, I quantify each one, and I get the seller to buy in, I'll say like, well, I've told you my process for photographing a house, let me ask you this, what do you think that would translate to an extra sales price for your home with my photography process? And they mm. give you a blank stare, they don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. But, but the cool thing about a listing presentation is you're allowed to lead the witness. So I lead the witness. I say, well, what do you think? Could it be worth one or two more points? Yeah, I guess so. Great. So I write down the one. So my goal is to get, you know, to eight to 10 points of extra sales price. And then I'll say, so Mr. And Mrs. Seller, forget everything my company does. Forget everything that everybody else does that I also do. Just focusing on these five things, these five USPs we talked about. I'm, we've agreed that I can get you eight to 10 extra points of sales price. And they, they have to agree because you built this argument block by block, just like you build a foundation. And then I'll say, you know what, let's, let's limit these expectations a little bit. I'll draw a line right through it, and I'll just write down a four. Let's just cut this in half and call it four points. So now, when you're negotiating commission, which is typically, agents always think they're selling the whole commission. You're really only selling one point, and some, in some markets, you're selling two points. Mm -hmm. So... Isn't it worth to pay me an extra point when I've just demonstrated to you how these five USPs are going to get you four points? So that's a way to become a negotiation expert, especially mm, yeah, when it comes I like to. That. I like that. I like how you said you're you're really only negotiating one point or two points. Generally, you're not negotiating the whole commission, right? Um, because I don't want to talk commission specific numbers, but you know, my agents here when I'm managing, you're always like, you know, we're charging Y, and the whole rest of the market is charging X, and how do we compete with them when we're one point more? And I I say to them, well, listen. If somebody's charging less than you in the marketplace, the first thing you should do is stretch out your hand as far as you can, reach it around, and pat yourself on the back. Because when other people in your marketplace are charging less than you, that is a sign that they have no idea how to compete with you except by lowering their fee. That means you've won. Now all you have to do is sell people the extra value. And I can meet their price. I can lower our company fee to meet them. But within six weeks, they're going to drop another point, And then you're back to selling one point again. So let me ask you this, agents, which point do you want to sell? The one between X and Y or the one between Y and Z? It's still a point. 
Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's awesome. Okay, so what's the fifth and final step? The fifth and final step is being deceived as an expert in marketing. You're a marketing expert. And, um, you know, here's the, here's, this is like the biggest secret in luxury real estate because people are like, oh, so I get the listing. How do I find the buyers? Where are the buyers? Well, the buyers are hiding in plain sight. They're already here. I don't care what luxury market you go to. I made a, I made a map of one section of my market, a two-mile segment, and there were five sales between $3 million and $19 million that occurred in a one-year period. And in every single case, the buyer came from two miles away. The furthest one was 17 miles away, but was connected to the person who lived next door to the house. Wow. So the best marketing you can do in luxury real estate is to market to the people who are already there because people in the high end like to be around people who are just like themselves. Mm, they like to be around people with the same aspirations, the same achievements, the same level of success. They travel in packs. So it's very rare. I don't care what market you're in, but it's very rare. It does happen, but it's rare for you know a multi-million dollar buyer to parachute into a location where they have no knowledge of whatsoever, they don't know any people there, and just show up and buy something. It does happen, but it is not the norm. They always have a people connection. You have to market to the people who are already there, bring value and add value, become the trusted advisor to the people who are already there, and that is a secret to becoming an expert in marketing as well. So, so what are some examples of things you can do in that two-mile radius, let's say, two- or three-mile radius, uh, to sell a listing should you get one? Well, the most powerful thing you can do is obviously a really classy just-listed mailer, um, not necessarily a postcard, but more like a letter, or make phone calls. Like what I like to do is um, I like to call and ask for advice. So I'll call people and I'll say, hey, this is Jack. And um, you know what? I just listed this phenomenal house down at uh, 127 Bay Street. And I just want to ask you, I just need your advice. If you were me, how would you market this property? Ha, I like that. Because if you say to them, who do you know who wants to buy this house? They freeze up, they blank right. out, and they space out, and you get nowhere. But if you say to them, if you were me, how would you market that house? By the way, would you like to see it? Would you like to see it just for kicks? I know it's not for you because you have a great house, but would you like to see it? Because I really need your thoughts on how you would market this house if you and me as the agent. And they never say, oh, I'd buy an ad in Golf Digest or I'd go buy an ad in Yacht. They never say that. They always say a person. Hmm. Interesting. Now, like, do you strategically pick who you're calling and asking this advice to? People in the area, people who are already in the area. Oh, or I do see. If someone you might know or have sold a house to or, or yeah. just know in that circle that you made. Right, because here's the thing. When we go back to step number one, which is becoming an expert in markets and value, that expertise you get is something you can market to your um, where you want to work. You can market to their gatekeepers yeah. and also to the people directly because people in the high end are obsessed about two kinds of taxes, property taxes and estate taxes. And the way you minimize both of them um, is through yearly CMAs on their property. So once you have that expertise from step number one, you can market that expertise to, to gatekeepers, which are CPAs, trust attorneys, trust officers, and investment advisors. Because the way you um, the way you avoid inheritance taxes on a multi-million dollar property, for example, is you put it in a trust. And typically, you not to get too technical, but you put it in a trust. One of the requirements of the property being in a trust is that they need a yearly update of the value. And they really, 
these people are rich, but they don't want to pay for appraisals. And they don't need appraisals for this because it's just a number that gets written in a folder yeah, somewhere. Yeah, it changes and they, next year. Yeah, and they just need some any kind of documentation. So if you can be the person who provides those yearly updates for the people in your high-end market, that's how you get them on your list. And that's where you get the credibility to make that phone call to ask for advice later on. But market to the gatekeepers that you're willing to do these yearly CMAs. Some trusts, um, a different kind of trust, requires uh, not only a fair market value assessment every year, but a fair rental assessment every year. Because what happens is um, the people put the house in the trust for the benefit of their kids or grandkids, and then they pay rent to stay there, and the rent is how the kids pay the maintenance on the house. So they need someone to calculate the fair market rent every year as well. So springtime is very busy for us doing that for um, for people because um, but that's how you that's how you create value, bring value and add value and become what's known as a trusted advisor to people in the high end in your marketplace. Does it happen overnight? Absolutely not, but it's it's the long-term path to succeeding in this arena. The short-term path is of course, you know going after expired listings, so you want to do both at the same time. People will be surprised to know how many expired listings there are in the high end. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Well, well let me recap these because this, this is great. So first you take out, you take your wall and you say it's a two-year process. You put up a map, put dots on it, you get information, yeah. who bought it, where where they work. You go on LinkedIn, you find out who's buying this house, yeah. what they do for a call living, the blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I call the broker. If I didn't sell it, I call the broker. I don't want anything private, but... What can you tell me what industry they're in? I know, for example, in my market, if you get over five million dollars, eighty-five percent of all the buyers are from the financial industry, mm-hmm. either hedge fund or managing mutual funds in Boston. So that's good to know. Right, right. And I also and then and then as part of that, you want to create benchmarks. What are things selling for per square foot or per front foot? Or what are things selling for as a percentage of their tax assessment? You know. In certain parts of my market, things are selling for 87% of assessment. In other parts of the market, they're selling for 127% of assessment. That works great in Massachusetts. The only two states that really will not work in are Florida and California, but pretty much everywhere else, that benchmark will work. But you can always go back to the per square foot. But have some benchmarks that you can use to blame. You know, you need to be keep bringing up this Mr. Market because when you get to the point of doing a CMA, and uh, sitting down with a luxury buyer, they're never going to like your number because they think your house is like the Mona Lisa. You need to have someone to blame the number on, which is Mr. Market. Well, Mr. Market, you know, you're saying this and the benchmark says that. How are we going to explain this difference to a buyer? Yeah, buyers- and, and if they're in the financial world, they're going to understand benchmarks and and percentages and things like that. If you're saying, hey, 87% of assessed value, 93% of Zestimate, uh, I know. or whatever. Oh. you know. Pat, I'm an old man. Um, <laughs> I've been doing this for 42 years, and I'm so used to selling on the emotion. And for most, so for so much of my career, all the rich people were older than me. And I don't know when they flipped the switch or when it happened, but suddenly they're all now like 20 years younger than me. And I don't even know when that happened. But and these these kids who are buying these five and ten million dollar houses, they don't have the emotion that I'm used to dealing with. They're like, well, you know, the data points don't line up on this, Jack. And um, I'm like, data points? What are you talking about? This is about, you know, fishing with your kids <laughs> after dinner. This you is created about- <laughs> a monster, though, because you're the one that came up with the pricing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it's like um, benchmarks, data points. Are you kidding me? This is a summer house. We're not going to talk about that stuff. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, but anyway, it's just interesting how the, the, a lot of the um, we keep saying emotion has left the market. The people are, you know, the the new generation, the younger, wealthier people. They're all about the data points. And even though 
they're buying a, in my case, they're buying homes for second homes for vacation homes, and it should be a fun, joyous thing. They treat it like they're in work. So wh- as, why do you think that is? Because they're highly competitive. They're numbers driven. They're 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 always measured on performance, and they're always being measured against market benchmarks. So they bring the same thing to. Um, to buying and selling houses. It's a, it's a contact sport for them. And in fact, we deal with billionaires. I mean, our town is very small. We have 4,500 people here. We have like, you know, 14 billionaires, which is a high percentage. But if you threw a quarter on the ground, they would die for it. These people aren't like, <laughs> they don't throw money around casually. And one of their sports is um, not paying any more for stuff than they have to. And, you know, beating up on agents because, you know, because they can you know, because they can. Yeah, so a big part of my career has been, how do I equalize the playing field? Because, you know, if I sell a house for 10 or 19, my biggest sales, 19 and change, that's a, that was a really big deal for me. But guess what? Both the buyer and the seller are consistently doing deals for $500 million, for $3 billion. I mean, it's pocket change to them. So I'm like a, I'm like a flea to them, you know? So... I'm obsessed with trying to equalize the playing field with new, with good negotiation strategies and being seen as an expert in negotiation and building my standing in the marketplace because that's the only way you can combat that. Wow. And and so what are what are some things that agents are doing wrong that you see that making them or holding them back from raising their sale price and getting into the luxury market? There's two things and they're both upstairs in your head. Number one, they tend to be intimidated because the people are wealthy. And so they overcompensate for that by being nervous, talking too much, not listening and beginning every sentence with I, 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 talk always in terms of their interest in the value you bring to them. They don't care about you. They don't care about your kids. They don't care about anything except what you can do for them. The numbers. The second thing is what really I see holding people back is they have this pathological fear of what I call the big O, the big O, the really big O. And that stands for the big objection. They're concerned about, they're going to go on a listing presentation with a high net worth seller in their marketplace. And that seller is going to say, so, Jack, how many homes have you sold over a million dollars? Well, actually, none. Well, how many homes have you listed in my area? Actually, um, I've never been to your area before. And they, they're like, how do I answer that when they say that to me? You know, I, I'm, I'm not even going to go there. I don't, I don't want to subject myself to that. And I've heard all kinds of advice given that, well, you, you change the subject, you distract them, throw them off the track. And and that's that's really not what I think is the way to go. My suggestion, my advice my guidance to people when they're confronting the big O is to hit it dead on and say, you know what, Mr. Mrs. Seller, I have never sold a house for a million dollars before in my life. In fact, I'm going to make my mark on your listing. As a matter of fact, the last thing I think about every night before I go to sleep and the first thing I think about every morning when I wake up is what am I going to do to get your home sold? And in fact, here's my pledge to you. I'm not going to take one more million dollar listing on your street, your neighborhood, your area, whatever, until we have an accepted offer on your house. Your house is my focus. I want you to be so excited about what I did for you that you can't wait to refer me to your friends, your relatives, your associates. Let me ask you this, Mr. and Mrs. Seller. How does it feel to have somebody this dedicated, this driven, this passionate about getting your property sold? So basically, we're just taking that objection, that perceived deficiency, turning it around and making it a benefit because most people 
who are breaking into high end or competing with an agent who's got 27 multi-million dollar listings, who doesn't even show up to show them on his, on his or her own, and has a sense of privilege or entitlement rather than, you know, gratefulness for the opportunity. So that is the only way I know to turn that objection around. And that objection is the biggest factor that keeps people away from luxury real estate. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. You know, I can remember a listing once I lost a way back where I was advertising everywhere in the neighborhood newsletter and that sort of thing as a neighborhood expert. And I went on this listing program and I didn't know everything in the neighborhood. I had sold, you know, I had had a couple listings in there, you know, that month and a couple sales, but there was probably 12 other houses for sale in there that I was unaware of. And this new agent came in and, and just beat the hell out of me by previewing every house and by knowing it upside down. And the lady called me and she goes, you have nerve calling yourself the neighborhood expert when this other agent knew everything about every house for sale and every house that's recently sold uh, down to the, you know, the type of doorknob. And I was like, oh my God. And that's, that's, and and they listed with that other agent. And I think that's what you're saying with this map on the wall and with the pricing and with everything. Mr. Mrs. Seller, listen, I know everything about any of the houses that have sold down to who bought it and why. Go ahead and ask me. You see, information is the great equalizer. So the more intimate information you can have about what's actually gone on in the marketplace, that is how you equalize and create more standing for yourself when you're up against you know, one of these rich buyers or sellers being armed like that and being unprepared. They're going to slice you and dice you. You'll be so sliced and diced, you won't even know you were sliced and diced. <laughs> that's awesome so so jack tell me about your book anyway um i've always liked writing you know writers are perceived as experts that's one of the avenues i use to to create expertise in my marketplace so i wrote this book called selling luxury homes which is a guide um based on my experience of you know i didn't start out selling luxury homes i didn't start out being born rich and famous which is the other belief that a lot of people have that you had to be born rich and famous to um to succeed in this arena. So I, I wrote a book for people who are like me, who were born anything but rich and famous, but they wanted to succeed in this arena. And people have really enjoyed it. It's been very helpful to lots of people around the country, even around the world. In fact, I just had somebody from Romania um, order books, if you can believe that. I mean, I don't know if they're ever going to get there or not. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so it's been a real thrill for me because I love to teach. I love this business. This is all I've ever done. I've never had another career. I mean, I just, I've always done real estate. I've always known I would be involved in real estate since I was building tree houses as a 10 year old. So this is my calling. And if I can help other people, that's my biggest thrill is I'm at this stage of my life now, which is, um, as they would say, the back nine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Through the main course, you know. Right. Or partially through the main course, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link to Jack's book on hybendigital.com backslash Jack Cotton number two, backslash Jack Cotton and this, the number two. And we'll have it there. And, and you can read and get some more detail about, you know, these five things, these five steps, some of his checklists, some of his uh, everything that he uses, right, to, to, to get to where he's got. <coughs> Yeah, it's all there. Even my even my pre-listing presentations, right in there in the book, and you can get it on Amazon as well. If you don't want to go to my website, or whatever you want to do is fine with me. But it's um, it's really a great way to. It's one great read if you want to break into luxury real estate. 
That's awesome, Jack. Well, I'll give you the last words. Anything you'd like to leave our audience with? Well, thank you for all the inspiration you bring to agents across the country and I'm sure around the world also because you've been a real beacon of hope and inspiration for me and a lot of other people as well. And, you know, yeah, we can do this. Pat's showing me the way. So thanks for thanks for being this uh, purveyor of great information about this business. Oh, wow. You're welcome. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, listen, Jack, uh, if I'm ever in Cape Cod or surrounding areas, I'll definitely look you up and we'll break some bread. Come in the summer. We'll take a boat ride. All right. Sounds like a plan. I know. Bye. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this session of Real Estate Rockstars. I'm Pat Hyben, and I appreciate you spending time tuning in for some rock-solid advice. I encourage you to take action on something that you have connected with. These insights, along with goal setting, will help carry you to achieving your destiny. Visit hybendigital.com for resources, how-tos, ebooks, and so much more. Also, reach out to us on Twitter. My handle is at Pat Hyben. And don't forget, Rockstar Nation, keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.